It's time to catch up, Chrissy. Hi, Matt. Hello, darling. <laughs> uh, we're back. Catch up, Chrissy, episode three. Three, and I feel like this one's going to be short. Possibly. If you're going for a quick a quick jaunt to the store, this will be the one to put on. <laughs> yeah, we watched Lethal Weapon. And it was thin. Uh, anorexic. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I, I was surprised, actually, uh, that you liked this one. Why? I didn't think you would. I thought relative to The Fugitive. I mean, mm -hmm. I like all these movies mm -hmm, that obviously. we've selected. This is the point. But I thought relative to The Fugitive, you, were be, you would have thought this was a lesser film. But you were actually pretty engaged all the way through on this one. How can you tell I was engaged? Well, the phone didn't come out much. Yeah. And there were a couple of moments where you actually like audibly gasped or went, <laughs> oh, like so when uh, when Mel jumps off the roof with the, the suicide guy. Yeah. And you, it's you, just so unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. He's you were you were really into it. You're really into Mel, I think. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, and Mel like, was 1987. Oh, Mel man. Has it going on? That mullet and uh, problematic Mel now. What a, what an unfortunate turn. I have got a feeling we're probably going to get there in our conversation. Yeah. But man, that's it's really. Okay. Really too bad. So the film was Lethal Weapon. Mm -hmm. The year was 1987. Mm -hmm. Do you want to uh, summarize the plot for us? Sure. Let's talk about what we were doing in 1987 first. I was six years old and you were seven. I didn't turn seven until that fall. Cool. So I was six and a half when this movie came out. All right. I was... When did it come out? 1987. Yeah, no, I know that, but like summer? summer yeah. Okay. Uh, are you sure? No, I'm not. You don't know. It could be a Christmas movie for all you know. It starts with a Christmas song. It sure does. Mm -hmm. It ends with a Christmas song and a Christmas scene. And... Mm -hmm. Is that one of the questions you have for me? Is this a Christmas movie? Because no. the answer is no. No, I, I would say not. Uh, unlike Die Hard, which is a Christmas movie. Yeah. Um, the I, I was very into Shira in 1987 mm -hmm. and um, did not know this movie came out, which is probably why I hadn't seen it. Uh, okay, summarizing the plot. Mel Gibson is a washed up, struggling with his mental health and addictions police officer who has we find out just lost his wife in a car accident wife of 11 years and somehow has spiraled from i'm assuming living like a reasonable family life with his wife of 11 years even though he's only supposed to be 30 so i guess i got married when he was 19 sure sure uh into living in a trailer on the beach juxtaposed next to uh, what's Danny, the actor's name? Danny Glover. Danny Glover. You know what I had in my head? Denzel Washington. No, Donald Glover. Wrong oh. guy. Danny. No, no relation. No relation. Danny Glover. Childish Gambino. Um, Danny Glover, who is a family man, has three beautiful daughters and a wife and a house, and is just kind of living the American dream and is a police officer. And he is 50 and Mel's supposed to be 30, even though they're actually only two years apart, and that is dumb. And they have they get paired up, of course. And uh, and have to go on cop a cop adventure together, um, which ends up involving Danny Glover's family and uh, and lots of super exciting cop scenes and explosions and organized crime and it's great. Okay, it's great. So it's interesting because that my next question for you was going to be you know what was the overall most important element of the film? What did you like the best? And it's clear based on your plot description because you didn't describe the villains. They didn't at matter. All. You didn't describe the the crime they were, they were drug, trying to. They were drug dealers. They tried. Well, it was the 80s. you didn't mention their Vietnam histories. You didn't mention that 
no, Mel Gibson was special forces. No, you didn't a, mention it's a buddy cop. It's a buddy cop movie. Okay, that's all it is. So the chemistry between these two actors mm-hmm. um, almost borders on romantic. Mm-hmm. Like it's they have a meet cute, mm-hmm. right? This is almost a romantic comedy. The meet cute is. Danny Glover misidentifying Mel Gibson mm-hmm. as a perp because mm-hmm. he's such a ragged. And he pulls out his gun and he pulls in the out office. A, yeah, gun! Right? yeah right. he looks like a criminal. Yeah. Pulls out a gun in the office. And he runs right. at him and Gibson's like, what the hell is going on? Like he doesn't, and then pulls a gun on him and then it's like, hey, meet your new partner. Yeah. I'm too old for this shit, which yeah. is, I'm going to use that line a lot more now. Yeah. So it, they, the, the budding bromance between the two. The chemistry between the two mm-hmm. is really what you would think of as the like the, the central element of this movie. Listeners, I'd like you to find me a better earlier example. Is this the first example of a bromance? No. No? No. Oh. Definitively not. No. Can but, you think of Butch one Cassidy of... and the Sundance Kid? Oh. Newman and Redford. Also haven't seen it. Big surprise. <laughs> uh oh. I think we just added an episode onto this podcast. <laughs> Matt Matt gasped. Next, might be the next episode. Oh, no thanks. Oh, you don't know a thing about it. I don't think I. I don't think I'm gonna like it. Okay. Who's in it? Paul Newman. Okay, I do like him. And Robert Redford. Ugh. I don't like Robert Redford. Okay. Well, all right. Yeah. Um, Send emails too. So one of the questions that I had was, you know, is this the first buddy cop movie? I, I think it's definitely the best buddy cop movie of this era. Mm. There were others, mm-hmm. but uh, it's one that first comes to mind. Mm. Um, so next question I have for you is, you know, you've summarized the plot beautifully. It was not a beautiful summary, oh, but you've summarized the plot succinctly punctuation. Mark. Sure. And, uh, now the next question I have is what interest would you have in seeing the sequels? Oh, very much. Yeah. Lots of interest. Usually yeah. the second one's better. It is. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Um, the second one's really good. The third and fourth are decreasing returns, but you get deeper and farther into the relationship between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and Danny Glover actually does become older mm-hmm. and you get um, more female characters and you get some interesting stuff happening. Okay. Um, so that's interesting. Um, did you notice the, um, the uh, captain I, I, Brooklyn nine, nine is a favorite show of, of mine. And then of course, of of Charlie's and of mm-hmm. yours as well. Do you remember the, the captain Raymond Holt parallels? Remember the episode where Captain Raymond Holt is doing all the same stuff that Murtaugh does? No. There was an episode where, like, it turns out that Captain Raymond Holt was supposed to be the inspiration for, um, for Murtaugh. And does Jake lose his mind? Yeah. Yeah, I have yeah. not. I don't remember this episode, probably because I didn't have the connection, right? But right. now I will go back and watch it. I'm sure Charlie can tell us what season and uh, episode number it yeah. is. Yeah. So the movie's it's pretty audacious, right? There's yeah. pretty like there's a lot in it. Yeah. A lot of really silly stuff in it. Oh, Jeff, it's just it totally a boy movie. Okay. And Wouldn't you say? I don't know. It just moves. It moves. Yeah. Yeah. What does a boy movie mean? Like action? Lots of action. Mm-hmm. Um, no real female characters to speak of. Mm-hmm. There's nudity. That's a man's perfect world. A lot Absolutely of shooting. no women. Well, no, there's naked women, right? Right. There's yes. Strip clubs and mm-hmm. and uh, you know, oh, prostitutes. Prostitutes. Yeah. Old Vietnam a... buddies, daughters, pros- porno actresses that are on drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Gorgeous. Um, yeah. Yeah. But they don't talk. I think this is one of those movies. I just digress for a second. This is one of those movies that was on city TV here in the greater Toronto area of mm-hmm, Canada mm-hmm. for those international listeners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if they're still with us or not. I think they are. Um, it used to be on TV a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I saw this like in a heavily edited version. No boobs. No boobs. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I saw it was on TV, chopped up in 
12 minute segments. Gross. Um, you know, edited for content. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw it without fully seeing it for the first time. I think this was the first time I've seen it uninterrupted without commercials in a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Like it might be 20 years since I saw this movie. Um, so I remembered it one way mm-hmm. and then found it more. And I don't want to sound like I always come off sounding like a, a Puritan, mm-hmm. but this was much more adult mm-hmm. than I remember it being. I remember it being more about the comedy and the 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 repartee between the two leads That's what I was and less about the drugs and the sex and the porno and the all that stuff. I think that would just be because of how you watched it on TV. I'm sure all that mm-hmm. stuff was cut out. Yeah, right? it they wasn't were, there. They, well, they were drug dealers, but nobody was doing drugs, right? They probably cut out that part. Yeah. That kind of thing. And, That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, the, the conversation that I wanted to have was, um, was I have some notes, mm-hmm. right? We do need to talk about the Mel Gibson of it all. Mm-hmm. Do you want to take a quick break and then we'll come back with that conversation? Sure. Okay. Okay, Matt, hit me with your, your talk about Lethal Weapon. I'm okay, ready. well, I just, it's really a conversation about Mel Gibson, right? Mel Gibson at this point in, in his movie career was the biggest, arguably one of the biggest movie stars on the planet. Um, well, look at him. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, he, what a specimen. Whew. But, you know, that's one of the other notes I have is that he's not like some pumped up version of masculinity. Like Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger, who were big action stars in mm-hmm. that period, um, were bulky veiny tanned bronzed like mr universe mr types. universe types yeah um unattainable mel gibson's got a real everyman quality mm-hmm. he's more athletic and muscular than bruce willis was mm-hmm. at the time bruce willis had a real everyman quality about him mm-hmm. but mel gibson had like a a bouncy springy wiry dangerous athleticism about him mm-hmm. um and he is very fit, mm-hmm. but he's also tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, but- I think he's one of those people that his head would look too big for his body in real life. And I didn't realize that until this movie. Yeah. I thought, oh, I think you you would look funny in real life. Yeah. He, he, I think against Danny Glover, like Danny Glover's a big, tall guy. I, mm-hmm. think. I think he's over six foot tall. Um, and uh, Mel, looked, he looked really small. He did. But um, it also, I think, worked well in the sort of, initially, it's almost a paternalistic like Danny Glover is such a dad mm-hmm. that Mel Gibson almost looks like a his old son, older son, yes. rather than his partner. And they gradually become more equals along the way. Um, but what I wanted to talk about, what I want to ask you about is if, if you have any problem reconciling past performances versus uh, present day problematic elements. And the reason I bring this up is because like Charlie and I just recently watched um, Baby Driver, mm-hmm. um, which... I guess, unfortunately, stars Kevin Spacey. Yeah, and, and Charlie loved. And Charlie really dug it. And it's like, do we have a conversation about, you know, Kevin Spacey's a bad man and just leave it at that? Do do we have to... Do you even have that conversation? Yeah. yeah. Um, and the same thing with, with Mel Gibson here. Like, Mel Gibson was undeniable as a major star, mm-hmm. totally charismatic, um, delivered great performances. Mm-hmm. He often had to yell... He had things he always did. He always had to sprint in a movie. Mm-hmm. He often would get tortured or hurt in some way. That seems to be something that always seemed to happen in his movies. Um, but he's good at it. Mm-hmm. He was like unmistakably um, attractive mm-hmm. as a star. And of course, now we know that he's, in addition to being those things, he remains those things. Mm-hmm. 
um, you know, he's a bigot and um, he's an ultra conservative weirdo mm -hmm. and he's not shy about expressing himself on those in those ways. Mm -hmm. So he's pretty, uh, I, I don't, I would shudder to say that it's mild because it's not mm -hmm. right. He's, he's an offensive human being. Mm -hmm. So, but he isn't actively hurting others the way that Spacey and um, what's his face that went to Weinstein. jail. Why well, can't think of that guy's name? It's like I've blocked it out. Weinstein and and the others, right? Have have done Arnie Hammer, Army Hammer, Army Hammer. Um, those are like specific. Like, those guys committed specific crimes mm -hmm. against people mm -hmm. with a, like a tangible victim, mm -hmm. a named victim. That's what I mean. It's like they, they did something specific to a person or people, yeah. whereas Mel Gibson just has views that we see as problematic because of our worldview. Yeah, I I don't know. I think I struggle with this with musicians too, right? Can we never listen to Michael Jackson again? It's I don't know. I don't know what the right, I don't think there is a right answer. I think if you want to be like a totally, you know, non-supportive and pure in your soul, then you're going to cut those things out. You're never going to watch another Mel Gibson movie even. You're never going to watch another Kevin Spacey movie. But when they have, or you're never going to listen to Michael Jackson again. But when those people have made good art, it's hard to A, cut it all out and B, even avoid it in society, right? Because society has decided not to cut out Michael Jackson. Society has perhaps now decided to cut out Kevin Spacey and Mel Gibson, but that doesn't mean that their movies aren't still going to run on city TV yeah. or they're not going to be Kevin Spacey's doing ads overseas, right? Like they're, they're still around. So I don't know. I think one of the things that's that factors in it for me is that like in Kevin Spacey's case, mm -hmm. like he was an actor mm -hmm. of, of great renown mm -hmm. and without peer, right? Like he, he was he was a very is a very good actor. Mm -hmm. He got a little caric caricaturish in the latter stages, especially in the House of Cards mm -hmm. era, right towards the end of his career. And I almost think of him as having passed away. Yes. Honestly, at this point, um, but like he's an he's an actor. So when he's acting, mm -hmm. his characters are unlike his real personal personality, mm -hmm. right? Um, this, this like when when Mel Gibson's on screen, I'm not seeing Mel Gibson. I'm seeing Martin Riggs. Like yeah. I, I buy him as Martin Riggs mm -hmm. wholesale. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, when he's looking at the picture of his passed away wife mm -hmm. and he's crying mm -hmm. and he's contemplating suicide, mm -hmm. like I found that moving. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think, like, oh, but he's such a jerk in real life. Yeah. So then the, the question is can you separate the art from the artist? Right. right. Should we? Should we separate the art from the artist? Right. And this is, well, we're not going to solve this question here, but no, it, of course it not. is a question that weighs on me a little bit. Yeah. Me too. In, in his case, in all their cases. Yeah. Yeah. I loved House of Cards. I love The Usual Suspects. Mm -hmm. Can I never watch that movie again? I never will be able to, to watch that movie again without thinking, oh, what a creep. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a shame. It is. And I think that's, I guess that's the point I wanted to make. Um, so some other things in this. <laughs> so that your next note is saxophone, which probably goes along with my note. Is this the most 80s movie ever? Yeah. Would you like to see a movie that has like all of the elements of an 80s movie? Uh, Good-looking Mel Gibson before we knew he was problematic. Teased out hair. Teased, teased out mullet. Um, helicopters. Crazy action scenes that they wouldn't do anymore because it would cost too much money and they would just do it on CGI. Drugs. A very blonde Gary Busey as a, as a I'm not sure, former Vietnam guy as well, I think. Yeah, they're all special forces. Yeah, yes. uh, running drugs. Like just like every, and every 80s element. And the most 80s element a great transitional saxophone piece. Yeah. Like it was just like, Oh my God. Well, it's funny because Eric Clapton is credited as being one of the yeah, people Eric that Clapton, wrote having the music, a, having a nap, the music. having a nap. 
but he doesn't play saxophone, so I don't really. Oh, I'm sure he does. I think Eric Clapton plays everything. He plays the guitar. I know he really plays the guitar. That's his main instrument, but I would not be surprised if he plays everything. Yeah. Instrumental music teachers at elementary schools in Durham region play everything. So I'm sure Eric Clapton can play more than okay. just the guitar. Um, okay. Um, so I found that the music like, was kind of hilarious. It's ridiculous. Right. But yeah. it actually added to the whole experience of the movie. Um, and I didn't think that, like, while it was, like, drawing attention to itself, I didn't think that at any point you were like, oh, that's stupid. Right? I you did. You were kind of no. into it. Yeah. It makes it very 80s. It's all it, part of the, yes. part of all of it. Right? Part of the, yeah. yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Uh, what else have I got here? There's the, the movie tropes in this movie, um, you know, the, the buddy cop, the idea of, oh, you got a new partner, right? Like, that line has been repeated. I would say that, like, Shane Black, who wrote this, um, and who's done a little bit of directing and a little bit of acting. Um, this movie, if it didn't make him one of the richest people in the world, I would be shocked because every every movie subsequently that involves two police officers borrows really heavily from this movie. Mm -hmm. So you got the, oh, you got to get a new partner. I'd rather work alone kind mm -hmm. of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like that always happens. Um, and they come from different worlds. Mm -hmm. One's black, one's white, one's rich, one's poor, one's shady ones clean ones old ones young yeah, yeah always the same kind of thing and then they have some sort of high stakes shared traumatic experience that binds them together mm -hmm. right despite somebody, their differences yeah somebody takes a shot at him and it's like no that's my partner and they you know you think they don't like each other but then when the chips are down they actually do they actually do care mm -hmm. about each other and then and then they have a laugh mm -hmm. <laughs> right right uh you know something funny happens um and then you know the the one of the things that's common in these kinds of movies is like the, the villain trying to bring drugs into the country. Mm -hmm. That was a big trope in the, in the eighties and nineties was mm -hmm. the war, on, war drugs. on drugs. So like drugs being the central thing that they're going after a lot of drug cop movies, mm -hmm. um, bimbo female characters throughout, like the only women we really have in this movie are Danny Glover's daughter, who is sexualized mm -hmm. uh, to a great extent. And the His girl wife. falls out the window. His wife is sort of the only nor and the, the psychiatrist in the office. Mm -hmm. Um, and then henchmen everywhere in suits that can't shoot. That's a common trope as well. Okay, so I'm going to be really honest with you here. But my, my notes are pretty thin. Mm -hmm. Anorexic? This. Anorexic. Yeah. Which For those that are wondering about it, that's a line from the movie. Yeah. And I thought that was really funny. Yeah, we have a pretty thin case here. The evidence is pretty thin. And then, yeah. Later on, thin, eh? Anorexic. Yeah. Um, so I wrote down, like, because I'm really kind of scratching. I, I honestly thought you disliked the movie and we were going to have more of a conversation where I tried to talk you into it, mm. tried to point out its relative merits. And then I went and liked and it. And then you went and liked it. Mm. So like, I guess we just have similar tastes so far. Mm. Maybe I'll strike out on one of these and then it might lead to better conversations. Did you notice this is like, there's a period in movie history where perfect teeth were not required. I didn't notice. Yeah. I never noticed that. Yeah. I just don't. No, but like there are some, there are some pretty bad uh, lower teeth, especially yeah. on yeah. a couple of the actors, Mel Gibson included. Oh. Right. And he's also got like, he looks like his teeth look like a guy that smoked. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. He does a lot of smoking. There's a this lot. Movie. I noticed that a lot of smoking. Yeah. 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 Um, and he, he smokes in the car. At one point, Danny Glover asks him not to, but he doesn't stop. No, I thought that was really funny, actually. Yeah. I'll put it out if you want me to. Oh, you want me to? Uh, I'll wind down the window. Yeah. yeah, it's good. I like yeah. that. Um, but it certainly adds to the the difference between the two characters. Yeah. One smokes, one doesn't. Yeah. One's healthy, one's not. Yeah. Um, 
Mel Gibson and his bare bum at the beginning. Have you ever seen uh, National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon? I thought you were going to say, have you ever seen a better bare bum? And the answer was going to be probably not. He has such a tiny little bum. Yeah. Tiny little, like Charlie has a bum like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have not seen National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon. No. Or whatever you just okay. said. Okay, yeah. It's, so it's a parody oh. of this movie and mm -hmm. Basic Instinct and a couple of others. That's... A, movie, a couple of other movies I definitely haven't yeah. seen. Yeah, there's a scene in it where... Emilio Estevez gets out of bed. It's got Emilio Estevez. Yeah, and uh, I love him. He's you know, he's he's the same setting essentially, right. and he he walks across the room, and there's a woman in bed with him, and she goes, "Where are you going?" And he goes, oh, "I'm just going for one of my famous gratuitous butt in the moonbeam walks." <laughs> <laughs> and his bum's like they. I think it's a prosthetic butt, like right. it's not his real butt, and it's like it's like the most magnificent bum you've ever seen, <laughs> and it is glistening in the moonlight. Oh my God, it's hilarious. Um, yeah, he's. He's Mel Gibson's that feels like a lived in performance. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that he's like a method actor. Like I don't I don't think he was no, a, I don't a, think like a so. recluse and a drunk and a maniac. No. Um one thing that really stood out for me, um, because he's like the, my antithesis, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm pretty straight laced, I think everybody knows. Mm -hmm. Um is he no talks drinking, about no yeah, smoking. He talks about how no dead wife. The only thing that's keeping him going is the job. Yeah. He just loves doing the job. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that is, that is quintessentially my opposite mm -hmm. because like, I love this. This yeah. is what I'm enjoying. <laughs> yes. And the job is not something that gets me up in the morning. No. It gives me purpose. No. Um, family is yeah. right. But if something was to happen and I was to be on my own, like I wouldn't lose myself in teaching and mm -hmm. go like so hard into teaching, <laughs> but I'd be like this maniac teacher. I'm checking everybody's homework every day every day <laughs> i marked everything twice yeah you're all getting a's because i'm great at this that would not happen no no yeah. i would be uh i'd be sitting home watching lethal weapon over yeah, and over again that's right yeah no i get it now yeah. i'm picking out a special bullet <laughs> yeah Anyway, I really liked it. I thought it was I thought it was great although there wasn't a whole lot to talk about. It's sort of like being in a book club where nobody talks about the the, like n nobody actually talks about the book because the book was maybe an enjoyable read, but isn't isn't something that you have. There's no no uh, debatable points in it. Mm -hmm. This was like an entertaining, fun movie. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't trying to say anything important. I didn't think. I oh. texted you those questions. Like, is it trying to say something important about mental health? Is it trying to say something important about masculinity? And and I, I came up with nothing. Mm. No, the answer is no to all of those. What was your favorite action scene? Uh, we have some candidates. No, I can list it. It's the it's the one where he goes to where his best where his friend from Vietnam, whose daughter got killed, gets killed, and the helicopter shoots him through a window. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. You got a real helicopter shooting through a window, killing the guy, and then helicoptering away, and realizing that the the cops know. And Mel just empties out the yeah. the clip on his whatever gun that is. Yes, Beretta, whatever it is, he fires. Yeah. Bang, 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 bang. Yeah. Yeah, that was my favorite. What was yours? Um. The uh, as stupid as it is, and as unrealistic as it is, the martial arts fight on the lawn mm. to close the movie mm -hmm. is is really great because mm -hmm. um, it's so absurd. Mm -hmm. um, and I also think that post the torture scene where he's being car battery tortured, yeah, um, when he was well, not to... expecting that. By the way, I was like, "There's a torture scene in this." Yeah, I thought this was light and fun. Yeah, when he's trying to run down 
on foot mm-hmm. and catch up to Gary Busey and he's and Gary Busey's trying to get on the highway and they're firing machine guns back and forth at each other. Yeah. That was really kinetic. It was really well filmed. I, I thought, thought and I thought, choreographed. I always had some sense of the geography of where they were going. Yes. It wasn't like a total Which is scramble. Good, good direction. Yeah. I thought I thought Gary Busey deserved a worse ending. I wanted I wanted him to have a worse ending than he did. Yeah. You know? Well, like, I mean he just like death by cop essentially. Yeah. Right? Like mm-hmm. he, yeah, I just, I don't know. I wanted him to get tortured to death or end up hanging by his ankles off of a cliff or, I don't know, something, something else. I wanted revenge. So, so far, the, Gary Busey, also in Under Siege. Tommy Lee Jones in Under Siege. Gary Busey in Under Siege. Maybe we take a detour and we watch Under Siege soon. I, I'm sure we'll fight about that one. Because really? I, I don't think you'll like it very much. I want to watch The Whale. If we're going to detour, we don't even have to talk about it on the pod or maybe briefly. I want to watch The Whale. You know why? Because my book club listens to this podcast and they asked us to. So I would like to. Is that right? That's accurate. I would the like, entire book club? Well, no. Like at, Hi, gals. At least Hannah's. <laughs> Just one. Right. Um, yeah. So she she saw The Whale and she wanted our take on it. And I was like, we haven't seen it. She's like, maybe you could listen and watch it for the podcast. I'm like, it is not on the list, but maybe we could do a little bonus episode or something. I have not, I don't think I've seen Under Siege. Is that the one in, wait, maybe I have. Is that the one in the. It's Die Hard on a Boat. Oh, stop. Is it in a submarine or just on a boat? It's on a battleship, like an aircraft carrier. Uh, I don't know if I've seen it. Steven Seagal's the cook, but he's also a ex special yes, forces guy. You told me about this, and I can't decide if it's just like in my head, I'm envisioning what this movie is like, or if I actually have seen, I feel like I've seen Tommy Lee Jones in something that takes place in something Marine oriented, but I can't, I'm not sure if that's what it is. Mm. And I don't know if I've seen the whole thing. I might've seen just that one clip. And Gary Busey essentially plays the same guy yeah. in this other movie. In the IMDb trivia. I'm not sure how rangy he is. I know there's a great amount of range there. Um, I in the IMDb trivia it says that he credits Lethal Weapon with reinvigorating his career. He'd had a dry couple of years before that, and then that reinvigorated him, and he played the villain in several films. I think he probably like got a lifetime supply of cocaine working on the set. That's probably right. what happened. Cool, yeah. good for him. <laughs> He's looking rough. He's still days. running on fumes from that. <laughs> now, okay. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. So this is kind of like a a silly episode, not a lot to talk about, but it was it was good. I liked it. Good. Thank you for showing it to me. I'm glad mm-hmm. that you liked it. And we will be back next week with, with another title, whether it's, I think Lethal Weapon 2 makes the most sense, but we'll we see. could do that or we could maybe switch gears and do something a little lighter. All right. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll see. Well, until okay. then. Bye for now, friends. Bye. Bye.